You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And I have to start off by just saying uh, a big giant thank you. Uh, thank you to each and every person uh, that's listening to the podcast that is you know sharing it out on social media. Uh, I really appreciate that. And you know, for everyone listening, you know, just share it out on your on your favorite social channel. Uh, you can tag the podcast. We have a, a channel on, on just about every social media account uh, with NFT three sixty five podcast, or of course, uh, iSocial fans uh, with a, a Z there at the end. Uh, and you know, the the beauty of this, you know, you can even just throw out the hashtag uh, NFT three sixty five. But you know, the, this morning I woke up and there was a you know, it was a podcast episode that I, that I've been designing and I was excited to record it today. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to uh, add to the episode, I haven't finished, uh, kind of the, the editing, uh, part of that. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to throw, um, a tweet out to, uh, the audience and just say, Hey, what are some of the topics or questions that you would love, uh, to, um, me to cover on today's podcast episode? And wow. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I expected, right. I think we have, we had 18 replies and I tweeted it out two hours ago. Um, and so what I've actually done is, and you can keep replying. I'll actually put a link to the tweet that I uh, shared out there, um, for your topic suggestions. And you can always drop them in, in our, our discord as well. But, um, I, I actually broke them down into like four different categories. And so rather than doing each episode by an entire category, I thought it'd be even more fun to take one question from each of those categories and I'm going to kind of answer it and cover it here on uh, this episode today. So we're going to go just directly from you, the amazing listeners, and just a shout out to all of our listeners. Uh, and for all of those that uh, listeners that, you know, if I'm using your question, uh, just jump into our Discord, open a ticket, and I have uh, something fun for you uh, as just a thank you for submitting your question or, or your comment and getting it on the show. And and don't worry, we're going to use some uh, some of the other questions as well for some future episodes, uh, which, you know, I'm, uh, you know, really excited about. And I'm just going to say, like, for today's, you know, pop question uh, for our today's pop. I'm going to throw that out there for you uh, at the end of the episode. So, or near the end of the episode. So make sure you uh, are listening there. So really the, you know, the, I said, I, you know, I can divide these into some different, um, you know, uh, different categories. And so the first question I wanted to, you know, kind of uh, tackle, and I thought it, you know, it kind of sets the stage here for, you know, kind of where we're at. And then I'm going to get into, you know, we have a, a question on, um, you know, current market. We have one on if you're launching your own NFT project. We have one on wallets and security. Uh, we have one on if you're investing or buying an NFT project. Uh, and then we have one on kind of just understanding um, some of the other uh, aspects of NFTs outside of NFT itself, like crypto market uh, or metaverse. And so the first one 
you know, I thought this you know, was a really interesting one. And uh, this was from, uh, I believe, Martin uh, Applegreen over on Twitter said, you know, uh, what are you doing currently to engage your community while the interest in Web3 has dropped uh, substantially? Uh, can definitely feel it in many communities as well as my own. Uh, and he has the uh, Applegreen uh, Space Assembly. So uh, thanks so much for this question. You know, I think this is such an interesting um, spot, right? Because I believe projects that focus on culture and delivering the value that they promised, you can, you can really change the, the conversation right now because the, 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 the projects that are simply focused on um, the resale value or even just some of the, uh, I'd say more of the transactional type components of your project, right? Like I know some projects have utility, but some projects utility is just there to try to increase the value of the project. Other utility is because you're helping like solve the problem of, of something in your community. You're providing a new experience, right? right? It might be a game. It might be a metaverse play. It might be education. It might be um, amplification. It might be creating, you know, another bonding um, component of, uh, of your actual community. And so I think the projects that are focusing on the culture, right. And they have, and I have that, you know, there's no like, if you, if culture and community wasn't, you know, a, a focus the entire time, it's really hard to shift that, um, you know, short term, especially during down times. But, you know, just, and, and I think a key component of this is you have to like kind of break up your unique holders of your NFT project. So if you're an NFT project founder, or if you're in a project and you're trying to better understand, you know, what you can do for this project, right? Look at the, you know, there's lots of tools out there that allow you to look at your total number of unique holders, right? And if that number is really small, then that can be very difficult, right? Because there's a, there's less people. And if one or two people are discontent or if they're, you know, not active yet, they hold a high percentage of the project that can be really problematic. Now, of course, if it's a smaller amount of unique holders, you can keep that nighter, that, um, you know, smaller knit uh, community as well. So it's actually why I think some projects launching less than a 10,000 piece collection um, will have an advantage on like that community side. But I would like, I like to look at projects that have, you know, really between like, let's just say a 35 and 70% unique holder ratio. Uh, and the reason I say that is because you're going to, you're going to want some turnover in and out of a community. But when you have that like 35 to 70% ratio, it really removes like maybe there's one or two people that hold a couple hundred of the NFTs, but for the most part, it, you know, the average person is holding one and a half or one uh, of your NFTs. And, and that can really, you know, it provides ownership, it allows some people to hold more and some just to hold one, but it does kind of allow you to kind of like diversify within your project. But when it comes to this like idea of like, how do you keep interest? There's two pieces here. I think that you have to think about, right? Like what are we doing? to really make those that are inside, like those that are holding our NFT, what are we doing that makes them feel valued and makes them feel exclusive? This is a massive problem I believe we have, right? Just because you're in post, you're, you're doing something in the Discord really doesn't make it quote unquote exclusive. What you want to make it is you want to make it something that your, people are so proud about that they want to they want to share it out publicly on social. And then the other part of this is understanding like, you know, 
part of your job, although one component should be focusing on, you know, exclusive, you know, really valuable, something really tangible and valuable so people can kind of brag about it. You also want to be able to market that publicly because part of the thing that, that really is important right now is that people want to be able to say like, I'm so thankful that I'm part of this NFT project. And did you guys know that this project's doing this for us that are holders? Right. And, and unfortunately, like a lot of times it'll be like a public Twitter space. Well, that's really public education. And, and if there's no real extra value for being a holder in those Twitter spaces, I believe there is reason for doing them. But during these times, you want to make sure that you're doing both. Right. And and part of it is you as the project founder and in the project, you also have to be marketing that externally, because if if, if only the people that are holders are aware of this like massive value that you have it doesn't have as much like um, bravado as much like uh, feeling as if you're like, wow, you know, I can't like everyone externally knows that we are those of us that, you know, have that are owners or founders of the project. We just got, you know, you know, we just got, you know, six month access to something or we just got, you know, a four hour, you know, training boot camp from one of the most elite trainers in, in the space in, you know, in high performance or whatever that may be. And so it's important to, like provide holder value, but also market that externally because not only will it help with, of course, people wanting to come into the project, but it also will kind of connect those dots because we want to know, like it's, you know, like if just because you get something right, like, I mean, for me, it's like one of those things where you think about it in your day-to-day lives or, or things that you're a part of, right? It's one thing to feel, be feel made, feel special, you know, within your small circle. But if you feel special within your small circle and the bigger circle is aware of what's going on and they're like, you know, a little bit jealous. They're a little bit like, wow, that must be cool to be part of a community like that. It only enhances that, that feeling. And in many cases, it enhances our ability to amplify that. That also kind of comes down to what you should be doing is celebrating your community members, right? Right now is a great time to celebrate people that are going above and beyond. So every person that is like retweeting or sharing, don't just hit retweet, like quote retweet these, these um, NFT shares and, and, and highlight, amplify these people that are, are going out of their way because it does twofold. It not only makes them feel special but it's going to actually empower and motivate others to do the same because they know that you as a project founder are um, acknowledging that. And then the last part on this question I'll just kind of cover real quick is this is also really an interesting time because I actually think, yes, ETH is down, crypto is down, the market is down. And so it, it's tough for Web3 people right now because it's like, it's like, man, there's, everything's very low, right, in as far as like low entry points. But also, same as our, our investments are low. So a lot of that kind of like we all came down equally. But there are a lot of people externally that are going to take USD or local currency and bring it into crypto. And right now, it's actually the best time to bring in the Web2 folks. Because maybe before you were like, you know what, you know, our floor price right now is point, you know, let's say it's point oh nine ETH, right? So like maybe, you know, at the time it was like $300 or $280. Well, now point oh eight ETH is like $140. And so now you can actually market towards a Web2 audience and kind of connecting those dots. Like, you know, even like, you know, campaigns that are saying like, hey, I know, you know, we talked about, you know, trying to onboard a bunch of people and our, our mint price, you know, our floor price was, you know, around 400 US dollars um, a month ago. Well, right now our floor price is $180. Uh, and it's a great time to get in as the, you know, the community is thriving. We have this upcoming utility. So really, you know, as, you know, when the market go, is, is down, 
it's actually a great opportunity to mark to actually market towards those that aren't truly impacted by the crypto market as much as maybe those that are inside. So that's my advice on that one. Um, the next category that I wanted to share is um, on project decisions, right? So NFT project decision. And I'll, and I'll tell you, this one is, I mean, it's a great question. It's from a, a good friend of the show, Dan, uh, and he's DT from GB uh, over on Twitter. And this is one, you know, I wish, man, I wish more projects would really think this through. And what the the question is, you know, slow burn projects moving to a free mint to sell out. What are the pros and the cons and will this work? Now, I actually, I believe I know the project actually um, that Dan is referring to and is actually in our Mint 365 bag, um, but I'm not going to um, talk about that project specifically, but I'm going to talk about this concept, right? If you are rolling out an NFT project and you have a certain floor price, if you were going to change that floor or not change, I'm sorry, floor price, you have a mint price, right? So if you're minting out and if you're a slow burn project, and for those that are on slow burn project, just means it takes a little while to sell out. It could be a, a couple of days. It could be a couple of weeks. It could be a couple of months, you know, a couple of projects that, you know, I proudly hold today have, you know, took four months to mint out, but they have a strong community and, and they've really adapted what they're, what they've been doing. Here's the massive problem is that if you're even even with the eth going down i think this is a problem right so like if you mint, if you were minting a month ago and your mint price was 0.05 which is a lower mint price right and you had maybe maybe you sold 2000 of your 10000 nfts well even just alone 0.05 a month ago versus 0.05 today is probably 40% less usd to get into that project, right? So for those that were early adopters and jumped in early as your supporters, they're already kind of like, wow, man, if I would have waited, I could have actually saved myself some USD. Now, for most of us that are playing in the crypto game, we don't actually kind of convert things back to USD. Like once things are in ETH, ETH is ETH, right? It was 0.05 a month ago and it's a 0.05 today. I, I don't think about that too deeply. But here's the problem. If, if that project drops the mint price or even worse, drops the mint price all the way to free, Oh my goodness. Like, I mean, this is going to be some things that we have to look at the, uh, you know, the actual, you know, what does that mean? What is the byproduct? What are the things that we have to like kind of think about? Because here's the, here's how somehow this is going to make people feel. If I got in early and I paid a premium and I've been in the community, I've been marketing and talking about it. And then all of a sudden it's dropped for free and people are able to come in and pick up more for free. Well, how does that make me feel as a loyal core person? I mean, that that's tough. Now, some of the project founders might try to convince you and say, well, don't you want the project to sell out? Like for those that have money in it, it's going to be more valuable for you to sell out. Eh, not even sure about that, right? But like I, I actually argue that projects that actually kill off the the number of the supply I actually think is more is a is more advantageous right like rather than trying to give away your last three thousand mints for free if you started off at 0.05 I actually recommend just giving a cutoff and saying hey we're gonna cut off the supply and we're gonna have a total a new a new total amount right so now we shrunk the supply and that actually rewards those that were early adopters because now you know rather than having you know five of the ten thousand now you have five of seven thousand or whatever that may be so that rewards the early adopters now let's say you're like you know what i really want to lower this mint to free what i would recommend is that you put you open before you open it publicly to free you actually put into the contract okay if you hold more than five of our nfts you have this amount of time to mint up to ten for free 
And then if you hold one NFT, you have these two hours to mint up to three of our free mint, right? Right, Our free NFTs. And then when you go public with the free, you put a limit on how many someone can actually buy um, for free. And you also, I think you also need to really train you know, the, the audience on what, why that is and what you're doing on that. And I mean, this communication is everything at this point, right? I think, I think projects can actually be doing a great slow burn and ruin their entire project if they do not communicate this the best way with their, especially their early, earliest holders, but also like the entire process. Like if all of a sudden it goes to a free mint overnight, I think you're, you, you've made a massive mistake. I think, you know, even, I think you're saying, Hey, for everyone internally, we're, we're contemplating on this day in two weeks of dropping the, the mint price or even letting people internally vote, right? If a mass majority of the people vote that they would rather have the project sold out and they would, that, you know, like that's what they would value. That's that, that can be a win because here's a couple of things that are going to happen. First of all, your floor price is going to take a massive hit because people that get in for free are going to list the NFT for sale for $10, so if you've been holding a pretty good floor price, you know, let's say you've been, maybe you're 0.05 mint and you've been holding a 0.04 floor price, like a little bit less than the mint, which makes it hard for people to want to mint, right? People then buy it on secondary, which is like a, you know, it ends up becoming a very, uh, you know, tough cycle to break. But in, in, in that case, you're at 0.04, your mint price is 0.05 and all of a sudden you give it for free. Your point price is going to drop below 0.01 instantly. Because there are a lot of people that flip in for free that will buy 10, list them all for 10 bucks, right? And now they're going to, you know, cash out with their, you know, maybe, a, you know, what they would consider $100 profit, you know, plus, you know, minus gas fees. And for a lot of people, that's what happens. And you, you can't blame them for that because they're looking at it from a, you know, a profit, you know, margin. And they're thinking, I, you know, I don't know anything about this project, um, but I know it's for free, right? And this is the other caveat to this is that who are you welcoming into a project when you change the project to a free mint, right? And, and I actually think rather than saying, hey, I, I want to make this a free mint, I actually think this is where you can actually be strategic with, you know, maybe we pause the mint, maybe we, we give an opportunity to everyone that's a current holder that we give them a massive discount. So like if your mint price was 0.05, maybe you tell everybody, Hey, we're going to keep the mint price the same, but to reward all of you loyal holders right now, we're going to, we're going to give you a special deal that if you have, you know, uh, three of our NFTs in your wallet, we're going to let you mint up to seven more at 0.02 ETH. Now, what that does is it protects your floor a bit. And it's, if those that are now are holding 10, the highlight, the likelihood of them wanting to really like drop the whole entire floor price is a lot less. Now I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but these are things that are, you know, really, really value. You have to think through these things and, and just saying that you're sold out, like the blockchain doesn't lie. Like people will know, like if it took you five months to sell 7,000, I don't think there's any value of selling out the last 3,000 in one week. Like I actually think it's okay to be like, Hey, we're still minting and we are a slow burn process. I actually think that shows your commitment to your early adopters, uh, which is essential. I think when you lose that now, now you're really hoping that people are willing to sur- you know, survive this really um, short term like, kind of transaction. Because here's the thing, not only does your floor price change, but the types of holders change. Because if your project was based on utility and value you've been providing for five months and you move it to free, 
I can almost guarantee 90% of those people that are coming in at free are not coming in because of your utility or your value. They're coming in because they think they, they, it's free and they think they can make a quick buck. Very, very quick. You know, I think this is very important to understand. Like, I would almost recommend do Twitter spaces and reward every person. Do a Twitter space for 10 days and give away, let's say, give away 50 NFTs in those Twitter spaces to those that are in your Twitter space for a certain amount of time and that they will sign up to like a special link. Now you're at least, you know, kind of hedging who are the people that are actually going to get these free NFTs because now they have to, you know, they're engaging, they're part of your community and then you're giving those away. And, you know, if you give away 50 for 10 days straight, right now you've given away 500 NFTs, you know, they're technically a free mint, right? You're not giving away, giving them away in the sense of like, take their wallet and let them mint for free. They'll still pay for gas, but you're then at least having a little bit of control on who is actually minting for free rather than just turning the, 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 the faucet down. Now, the, the part of this that you'll just kind of have to think about as well is like, what are the, what are the goals after it sells out? Right. If, if the, if the reason you're trying to sell out is just to change your like, you know, Twitter account to say, you know, we're sold out. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that is a vanity and I think it's very narcissistic. I actually think the, the piece of this that is most important is actually like if, if you are selling out and you took those steps I, I think you should go into your top 100 holders and you better amplify, celebrate them and thank them. You better make them feel the most special in the world because if you don't, it so easily feels like, wow, why did I jump in this project early? They don't even care about me. They cared more about you know, updating this vanity you know, piece of, of, of the puzzle. So definitely a great question. Thanks, Dan, for that. It's one that you know, I could do a whole episode on and I'll probably do a little bit more um, on that you know, as we move forward. All right. The next category was wallets and security. Uh, and this question came in from uh, Jared Van Dyke and he said, burner wallets, burner wallets. Why are they needed even with reputable projects, let alone all of these degen stuff? Where do I get them? And should I have a special wallet to put them in after I'm buying the, uh, the NFTs? All right. So for, you know, if you go back to our, you know, a couple of the episodes I've done on wallets, right. I, I operate with, uh, you know, I recommend people operating once you're, once you've moved into, um, I would say you're a more regular, um, you know, active in this space, which means I would say, you know, if you're planning on buying one or two NFTs, maybe a week or like, I'd say five or six for the month. Now you want to start thinking about, okay, how am I I'm mitigating my single point of failure and what a single point of failure is? Cause that sounds like a bunch of you know jargon, right? What it means is if I get compromised, if I click on the wrong link or I click the wrong button and here's the, here's the, here's the thing everyone is going to do it. It's just going to happen. You, you're going to click the wrong link. Now, if you click the wrong link and you get lucky that it actually didn't execute on something, that's probably going to happen as well. You're like, I did not take three seconds to read a transaction log, you know, you know, 90 days ago and I was compromised and I have a background in cybersecurity and I'm very aware and very conscious of what I'm doing. And unfortunately one Sunday evening, I made that one simple mistake and I didn't take the three seconds to read and it cost me. Right. And so it's going to happen to everyone. So the question is not going to be, I, you know, what do I do to make this not happen to me? What we need to start thinking about is what can I do to make when I, when it does happen, what is the least amount of loss that I can have, or at least what are the things I can put in to protect myself? So a burner wallet or, you know, and what a burner wallet really just means is that 
the the wallet if it you can burn the wallet or if the wallet just you know disappeared or it was hacked you wouldn't be you caring that much and so the way that you create multiple wallets and I, and you know I use MetaMask as like my primary wallet you can do this you could create one on all of the the, the three most popular wallets which is you know a way that I originally did it like my very first three wallet system was I had MetaMask as my main wallet. I had a rainbow wallet, which was kind of my flipping middle wallet. And then I had a Coinbase wallet, which I, at the time I thought I was going to use um, as my like holding wallet. Uh, and then what I ended up changing was I actually had a ledger um, hardware wallet as my holding wallet. But that burner wallet, what I mean by burner wallet is that you are willing to connect it to a lot of sites. It's not saying that you're just connecting without thinking, but it's like the wallet, here's, the, here's the, the big caveat. What you want to make sure is that burner wallet, whatever is in that burner wallet, whatever's in there is something that, you know what, if I lost all of that, I'd be okay. And so the, in that question that, that uh, Jared asked here on the podcast about, you know, um, you know even with you know, reputable projects, why, wh- where do I get them? And this is the best way to get them, right? This is how I, you know, you can, you can create them on your phone and one on your desktop, or like what I what I've done is I just downloaded you know I use Chrome as my primary browser so I went to and downloaded the Brave browser and I downloaded the Firefox browser and on each of them I you can go and install MetaMask you can just go to metamask.io and on each of them you're gonna actually going to create a new wallet now that means you're going to have a new seed phrase because remember this is about three separate seed phrases not three separate accounts completely different. Um, logic there, right? Because three separate seed phrases means that if one of them get compromised, there's no risk to the other one. Now, if you create three accounts on one wallet, yes, if that one wallet just happens to be, you know, drained, yeah, that's that's okay. But if you, if that seed phrase is given out, or someone how someone actually gets the, you know, your actual password to your wallet on that machine, then they can take all of the accounts that are on that wallet. So I like to say three wallets with three separate seed phrases. And what you can do is you just have those three browsers and you create them on each browser. And then you're like, Brian, but I don't want to use three browsers. Don't worry, you don't have to. What you can do is you create the three wallets, one on each browser, and then you go back to your primary wallet, which would be probably or your primary um, browser, which would probably be Chrome. And you're going to click on your MetaMask and you're going to go down and say import account. Now, when you click import account, it's going to actually pop up and it's going to ask you, you know, do you want to use the secret recovery phrase? And you're going to say yes. Then you're going to go over to your Brave browser and you're going to go to that wallet and you're going to copy. You click on the actual, you know, in the Brave browser, click on your MetaMask, click on account details, and then it's going to say, show me recovery phrase. And of course you have to like, you know, say yes to a warning. And then you're going to copy that recovery phrase into the Chrome browser and it's going to import that wallet. The how do you know that it's imported Next to the word, what's next to the name of your wallet will actually say the word imported. Now, it's important to remember the name of that wallet when it's imported is not going to, there's not, it's going to be like, it's going to be, it's going to be called like account number two or account number three. And you're like, well, but that's not the name of it. Well, here's the, here's the thing to remember. This is decentralized. So when you're copying, copying that phrase, it's just giving you authorization for using it. 
but it doesn't, there is no central repository that has like your, you know, same username, your same password, your same, you know, um, logo. So what I recommend is once you import it into your Chrome, make sure you name it the same as you named it before. Like, so like for me, like I named them exactly what they are, right? I call them like I have burner one. I have, I, I have, I have burner, uh, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, I have, I have burner, uh, 93 zero, which means this is the burner one that I connect to everything. And 93, of course, is my, my favorite number. And the reason I say 93 to zero is because like, I don't care if there's 93 in there or zero. So you're going to do that with each one of them. So now when you have the three wallets created, you're going to, in your Chrome browser, in your dropdown, you're going to have the one that's logged in. You're going to have one that's going to say imported and you're going to have two that's going to say imported. So now you have all three wallets and all three seed phrases you know, right? So you want to keep those seed phrases separate. So now you have all three wallets in your in your Chrome browser. So now you could uninstall Firefox or Brave if you wanted to, um, or you just close them and, and you know and not use them anymore in the in the short term. So now you have all three wallets on your one Chrome um, uh, you know extension. So now it becomes the, the question, the, the second part question he said, should we have a special wallet to put them in after we are buying? So sticking with kind of like the three wallet system. You know, when you when you connect your wallet to a, a site to to get those free NFTs, what I recommend, this is just the way that I do it, is that I, I will transact, I will, I will, I will post them for sale. I'll kind of look at the ones that are in that burner wallet. But once those NFTs become valuable or you think that, hey, this might actually be something that I'm gonna hold on to for a little bit, I then transfer that NFT to the middle wallet, right? So the middle wallet is what I consider like my flipping wallet. And that wallet is really only ever connected to OpenSea. So on OpenSea, you know, I'm buying and selling on OpenSea, but that middle wallet is never connecting to an actual individual website. It's only going to be connecting, you know, to buying and selling uh, on OpenSea. Now, if the NFT all of a sudden is one, you're like, you know what, I'm going to keep this long term, then I would move it to your third wallet or a hardware wallet that might be, you know, more um, disconnected. With that being said, for some people that, you know, like the, that moving of, you know, transactions can feel a little bit um, cumbersome, but I will tell you, if you look for when gas is low, right, which is usually late at night or early in the mornings for the most part, but like right now, actually, when we're recording this, Guai, you know, Guai is what we, how we determine gas is actually, is at 43 right now. Guai is at 43. So my, if I wanted to transfer that NFT right now, one NFT from one wallet to another, I believe it'll only cost me about a dollar 35. I did it about an hour ago and it cost me like a dollar 80, but Guai was a little higher. So like a dollar 35 to move the NFT from one wallet to the other wallet. So now that you can actually interact with it. The thing to remember, though, is each time that you're listing an NFT on a marketplace, you're going to pay a listing fee for the first one of that collection. So let's say you mint 10 of them and you're like, wow, these 10 I want to flip, but I'm going to hold on to them for a little bit. You might be better off moving all 10 of them to a second wallet and then only listing them from that wallet. So you only have to pay one listing fee. But what I found is like for me, like that listing fee you know, and the transaction fee, it kind of have to play along with that. But with the burner wallet, you just have to think of it this way. You know, if, if it's a burner wallet, I have to be okay with all of those NFTs disappearing. Now you might be saying, well, when does a burner wallet, you know, when does that you might maybe want to create another wallet? What I like to think is like, all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? It's not worth me transferring these NFTs out anymore because I have maybe 15, 20, 25, 30 NFTs in here and they might actually end up being valuable. Well, now you can go back over to your your Firefox browser or your Brave browser, 
remove the extension from the, that, that old browser, and then add the extension back in and create another wallet, right? So now you'll have a fourth wallet with a fourth uh, seed phrase. And whatever that new wallet is, do, this, do the same process again, and then use that new one as your new burner wallet. And the one that you were using as a burner one last month will now be that middle holding wallet. And that's kind of how you'll accumulate. And I'm, you know, I'm just being full transparent. I'm doing that on a monthly basis. So I'm doing for our project, you know, for the, the month of May, I have all of the NFTs that we bought in the month of May and that wallet is now, you know, it's not even on my, on my actual browser at the moment. Um, I, it's one that, that I know that I'm, I'm holding for the collection and I'm not going to um, have to connect it or, or use it for anything. So that was the, that question. I, I really, I think that was a, that was a great one. Uh, and then I'm going to get to uh, the last question for this episode as we're getting you know, into that 30 minute mark. But, um, and then just remember, I'm going to take some other people's questions into a future episode as well. Cause I think these questions are really great. And so this next one, um, it actually came from, you know, two different people, two great friends of the show, uh, Delphi cat, who is, you know, my head of operations that, you know, keeps my life, uh, sane, um, running my side of my business. And then also KT Kiltman, which KT is a, is a fellow creator. Um, and he has a, a project as well. He, his question and, and, um, Allison's question, just simply we're talking about, you know, how will the ETH merge impact other chains as the gas is expected to drastically lower, Uh, And, you know, much more aligned with other chains. And will that affect some of the NFT market? Now, I mean, this is very interesting, right? Because if you really look at the tech, the merge itself will not actually lower gas at the rate people are expecting. Because we're moving from a proof of, you know, we're moving to that, you know, from the proof of stake you know, proof of stake and proof of work, that change will, will have a change. It will have an impact, but that initial impact, it won't be like all of a sudden one day, all of the gas fees go away, but it will actually change how gas fees are actually determined and how that kind of um, shifts is the conversation. The interesting thing that I think of is that I don't think a lot of people right now that are like, are like web three, like fully in web three. I don't believe if you're, if they're not using Ethereum right now, more than likely, it's not just it like they might say that it's the gas fees, but for a lot of people, like they like playing on other blockchains because there's less competition and maybe there's more, there's better, you know, like the, the technology for that blockchain is actually set up better for their project. But I actually think that the biggest piece of this will be actually public perception because this ETH merge, for those that aren't familiar with it, and it used to be called, you know, ETH 2.0 and they've changed, you know, there's a lot going on. Like I remember studying the ETH merge, I believe in 2019, when they first started talking about it, making it mainstream. And it's taken a long time. Uh, and I saw a tweet came out the other day from the team saying that, that, you know, they are in kind of some of the final stages of testing. But the other thing that we're not sure on is like when the volume drastically increases, right? Because public perception is one of the things we have to think about. That public perception of like, oh, now ETH is merged, it's costing lower gas fees, People are, like, might be jumping in. Now, remember, if someone is not in the space, what does lower gas fee even mean? Right? Like, for those of us that play in this game all day, every day, like lower gas fee, we c- will be able to determine that. But for a lot of other people, it's just a perception like, oh, I was waiting to jump in until the, you know, until ETH merge happened and the gas fees were now lower. But like I actually, uh, one of the things like this is why like, Sol- like people always talk about like Solana being, you know, a better blockchain. If you took the volume that is currently on Ethereum and you put that on Solana, not only would it probably break Solana right now because we've seen Solana go down a bunch lately, but it would also 
it would increase the transaction fees on Solana to something we've never even seen before over there, right? So it's so easy for us to try to compare blockchain to blockchain, but let's very be very you know critical on this, right? Every blockchain has a different technology spec on what it's designed for, and we ha- we can't compare them unless we're comparing the exact total volume on 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 them comparatively, right? Because like I mean, I he- I heard someone talking about this you know a couple months ago. They're like, well, if ETH, Ethereum disappeared, like if the blockchain all of a sudden was unplugged, <laughs> which it won't happen, but um, if it was unplugged and everyone jumped to Solana, like people would be so happy on Solana they would never jump back to Ethereum. My answer to that is if Ethereum went down completely, first of all, trust in blockchains as a whole would be a problem. And the second part is all of those people jumping to Solana would bring down Solana in a heartbeat. I mean, I question is Solana really an L1 uh, you know, blockchain because L1 blockchains need to be up 99.999999% of the time. And Solana has been down for a couple of hours multiple times in the last month. And that's something you just have to be, you know, uh, you know, and I'm not, I love Solana. I, I bought an NFT, I bought two NFTs yesterday off of Solana. Uh, I'm not, a, I am not a hater, but I'm also not a maxi on any of them because none of the blockchains are paying me any money and none of them are, are like that I am like blindly loyal to, right? Like, I mean, I'm blindly loyal to the Pittsburgh Steelers and every Pittsburgh team. Like I will, I will go to bat and defend all of my, my teams in black and gold. But it's because like I was born and raised there and like, you know, like it is my like it is my fiber and and I will cheer for the pirates even if the, you know, the owners of the team don't want to invest in the team beyond frustrating. Um, but the difference with that is like I don't have that loyalty to blockchain to to Ethereum. Like uh, right now, the attention is on Ethereum. Innovative projects are on Ethereum. And Ethereum right now is making the, the biggest strides for what we're trying to accomplish. But I've minted now on 15 different blockchains for this uh, Mint 365 project because I want to know what is possible on those blockchains. What are, what are the, some of the projects that are out there? And really, what are the, some of the things we can do? I will tell you that the barriers to entry on almost every blockchain is way steeper than Ethereum and Solana. Like those two, I believe, from a NFT perspective, have the and, and Polygon. We could say Polygon, Ethereum, and Solana have the the least barriers to entry. The problem is, when it comes to market marketplace traffic and marketplace design, Ethereum now is still the gold standard. Uh, you know, Solana with Magic Eden, I'm a big fan, but I still, you know, it's still tough. The fact that like one project is launching on their launchpad a day versus how many dApps are created for Ethereum to be launching. So um, hope that answered the question, KT Kiltman. And I just want to say thanks, everybody, for these great questions. I mean, I still have, I mean, I think 12 more questions that I'm going to add into some uh, upcoming episodes just this week. So for those that are like, when are we going to hear them? I'll, I'll do some more episodes um, and I'll answer another question on uh, NFT projects. I'll answer another question on wallet security. I'll answer another question on launching your own NFT project. And then I'll answer one more question on buying or investing in NFTs, some of the, like the things as far as like red flags and tokenomics. But uh, big thank you to everyone who submitted a question uh, and uh, for all those that are engaging the tweet. And if you want to add your question or comment, I'll put the tweet that um, that I asked you to re- you know, quote retweeted or you know retweet the the tweet where to ask for questions and then just hit you know reply to it and add your question to it. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to add that uh, to a future episode. And uh, you know for that pop that everyone was kind of uh, looking for the the pop that um, I was going to mention on this uh, episode. The theme for this month, the month of June, of course, is uh, merch merchandise because we are dropping our, our merch and our damn merch keys. Uh, and so today, you know, of course the first pop here for the month of June is hat. 
just the word hat. You know, I'm a big hat fan. So if you jump over to NF3, NFT365podcast.com slash pop, P-O-P, um, we will have up there the, uh, you know, the actual, you know, uh, form for you to fill out. You can just fill out that form and select pop in the uh, drop down and you will get your first of the month. We are, we'll drop six words this month. Uh, if you get four of the six correct, you will get an NFT that'll be um, dropped into your uh, email. And if you did it for last month, those actual pops for last month are going out today. So um, lots of fun happening uh, in this space, you know, and for those that are brand new, maybe your first time listening, you know, I'd love for you to jump over in our discord. You know, we, we are welcoming. We are, we have a great community that are answering questions that we have amazing community mods that are, are, are supporting you almost every day of the week. We, we do pause the discord, um, uh, Mondays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's a mental health break for our community and our team. Um, it allows us to kind of reset, allows us to kind of um, lay out some things that we want to make uh, laid out. It gives everybody also a, a good time to, you know, get outside or maybe, you know, check out some other discords during that time that we are paused. But other than that time, you can jump into our discord at any time. You don't have to hold an NFT. You don't even have to hold uh, ADHD coin. It could be your very first discord. And, it, and if it is, we would love for you to jump in and let us know, hey, this is the first discord you're joining. Uh, and we have people that will give you, we have lots of tutorials in there we have we have um you know some uh, education that is already uh, outlined in our discord hopefully uh, make your life easier because i know nfts and crypto and all this stuff i'm talking about are already a big change and complex and we also know discord can be overwhelming and uh, complex and so we're doing our very very best to help streamline your onboarding the discord and hopefully streamline your learning into this web3 space here with the podcast so until tomorrow my friends make it a great day cheers This show is not financial advice, so do your own